Welcome to Americana Quill, writer to writer. Please like and subscribe and tell a friend that likes to subscribe. Today, I have the honor of sitting down with an author who has been releasing her books as a, at a feverish pace with a book series in the Capitol. I read the first two books personally and found them a good entertaining read. The synopsis of the first book of the series is Conspiracy in the Capitol. Time is supposed to heal all wounds, but can't amend the broken heart. Ray's been unlucky in love ever since having her heart broken years ago. When her ex reappears and declares his hope for a second chance, she's not sure what to do. Time can heal past wounds, but sometimes heartbreak is irre irreparable. Excuse me. Flint knows that this is his last opportunity to win her heart again, and he's playing for keeps. But with his reemergence re in her life comes danger. Mysterious messages that plagued their relationship years ago have returned. Threatening their reconciliation, Ray already has doubts about rekindling their relationship. But now the stakes have increased and her life might be in danger. Can their love truly conquer all? And now the second book is... <laughs> The pat, um, second book is, excuse me, I think the Rendage of Capital. I'm going to read the synopsis. I'm sorry. Uh, my notes are all over the place. Months after Ray and Flint thought a stalker attempt to destroy the relationship, they are focusing on themselves. The relationship is better than ever, and Flint's political campaign is taking off. But as his campaign heats up, his schedule only gets busier. Ray can't help feeling like she's been left out in the cold. Things go from bad to worse when their past comes back to haunt them. A forgotten foe is bent on revenge and will do everything in their powers to get it, including ruin Ray and Flint's relationship for good. Revenge is a dish best served cold, but will Ray and Flint stop before it's too late? Ladies and gentlemen, I welcome B.I.V. Woods. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for doing this. Um, I'm sorry for having a brain fart when trying to do the title for your second book. So no my apologies. No worries. So what I like to tell people, because I recommended your book a few people that's like kind of into the romance thing, I was like, think Scandal without knowing who's B13 yet. Like think <laughs> of just the romance part of Scandal. It's not overly raunchy, but it's like moments of, of intelligent steaminess, if I, is the way I would put it. I like that intelligent steaminess, it sounds awesome. So no, that's definitely what I tell people. And I definitely told my wife she should she should give you a read. Because um I, I actually enjoy the books and I'm not necessarily a romance guy, but like those two books, they weren't like over the top of All Out Thou Be Thou, like of some like type of Shakespeare. So it was cool. Yeah, just let me know and um if she wants autographed copies, I can work that out too. No, absolutely. <laughs> so I guess my first question truly is how are you doing during this pandemic? Things are pretty good, if I have to be honest. I'm very fortunate um, that, for the most part, my family doesn't have to leave the house. Uh, we, um, which I guess is a blessing and a curse, because like sometimes we want to get out and like right. talk to people and socialize. And but, um, what can you do when you're in the middle of a pandemic? Um, but yeah, no, things are going pretty well. Um, my husband works from home. And I am technically a stay-at-home mom that is writing on the side. So I, yeah, we just stay home for the most part and try to make everything work. Oh, that's beautiful. So 
how's that not having um, space to write necessarily all the time if they're always in the house? So like, how do you find time to write? Like, what's your schedule like now? Oh, my schedule. So I started writing seriously in November 2019, and that was during NaNoWriMo. And yeah. at, the, at that time, uh, my daughter was taking about two naps a day, which meant that I had a couple of uh, a couple of hours to write or do whatever I want, get things in around the house. And when she went down for bed, that's when it would be game on writing. And that's all I did for the 30 days of November 2019. So now she's sleeping less during the day. Um, but my husband and I have a schedule where he'll come down an hour before lunch, before he, um, he feeds her lunch. And then I can go right then. And then when she goes down for a nap, I write then. So I like have maybe like a two hour block. And then uh, when she goes down for the night, finally is when, once again, game on. And I try to get as many words down as possible. So what is your goal a day? Like me, I try to write, if I'm in like writing mode, two hours a day, yeah. at least Monday through Friday. And then the weekends, maybe I'll ramp it up a bit depending on if my wife wants my time or not. <laughs> <laughs> Um, for the most part, I, like you said, like about two to three hours a day, I try to get our, if it's maybe like 2,000, 3,000 words. Mm -hmm. uh, and then other time is spent either editing or doing admin work that I could do for my business. Right. That makes sense. That's the thing as an independent author is like, you can't just write and hand it off to somebody. It's like, nope, now you got to be your own admin. You got to be your own marketer. And I feel like you of all the people mastered marketing first when everyone else was trying to master the craft of what they, how they wanted to come off as writing. Cause I feel like you exploded onto the scene in my opinion. I was very fortunate. I don't know how to put this. And it's been, it kind of bugs me in a way that this is how it happened. I, um, I studied marketing a lot before I published. I'm in like, a bunch of different Facebook groups for self-published authors and I took notes and tried to learn from what people did that worked and learn from people people did that didn't work and try to avoid those um, things that they did and of course a lot of it I mean as you know is trial and error um, oh my god yes <laughs> so I published my novella uh, Love in the Capital and it was St. Patrick's Day 2019 uh, and COVID had just ramped up and so, or we were just finding out more about COVID in the United States, just say, and um, people were home. And so I think that gave my novella a boost because A, I had family members who wanted to, and family and friends that wanted to read it. B, everyone was home and working from home. So they were like, oh, I have plenty of time to pick up a novella. It's only 20,000 words or however long it was. Um, and then I released my first uh, novel, which is Conspiracy in the Capital, I have it right here. Yes. Um, on, let's see, it was June 4th, I believe, which um, if you are in the United States is when, is right around the time the George Floyd protests yeah. uh, were happening. And there was a huge movement to read books about that were either featuring um, people of color or written by people of color. And that's when my book ended up taking off because a lot of people were interested in reading more from uh, authors of color. 
I actually interviewed someone who um I think you sent me the post of someone asking for different black authors and he actually read my book. Um mm -hmm. Nick Nick Olson. Yeah, I had him on a few weeks ago. Oh great, he's awesome. Yeah, he's a he's a really good guy. Yeah, that's basically how I guess kind of how my writing career. I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, I guess it took off. Um of course, you know, things die down and- um, I think you feel like there's more levels to go, but like that's where you got your initial spike, yeah, I guess is what you're trying yeah, to say. There's always room to grow and room to improve. Right, because I hear you struggling with the word of saying, yeah, I made it. No, uh, I had a good moment. I don't feel right. like I made it. I mean, I mean, there's always, I, I always look, I always create goals in life and with writing and stuff like that. So there's always another step I want to take. I think that helps keep the drive going as well. No, I agree. And I think what helps you is that you have the concept of a series. So if there's more books to write, then yeah. you have it already mentally ready that, all right, I'm not done yet. I still got like two more books to go before I can. Exactly. I have, two more, books to go. Yeah, I have two more books to go in this series and I'm already thinking of a spinoff. So is, is Beyond the Hill a part of the spinoff? No, um, Behind the Hill is a completely separate series. And it's actually the book that I wrote um, during NaNoWriMo. Um, in November 20, 2019, um, and I put it to the side because I, A, I was a little nervous about it, and B, I um, was waiting for an uh, editor. Um, she had a jam-packed schedule, and I was waiting for her to become available to be able to read my book before publishing it. Um, mm -hmm. So, no, it is not a part of the In the Capital series. Okay. That's interesting. So these two books were before then that you wrote? You wrote these after the... the so Behind the Hill was first, and then I wrote Love in the Capital, Conspiracy in the Capital. Okay, and you kept the, the strike, the the the, the energy to keep going. Gotcha. Yeah, because I, I didn't have anything else to do, because um, I was like I said, I was waiting for the edit back. I was like, oh, well, let's see what this story does, and I just, like, ran with it. Nice. So did you get a different editor for that instead, or how did that go for those two books? Um, so I was mostly, um, I was weird. I did developmental edits and then copy edits and then proofreading for Behind the Hill, but I only did uh, copy edits and proofreading for the In the Capital series. And so it was quicker for me to get In the Capital series out because I was only going through, like, I mean, outside of like alpha readers and beta readers, but it was all only going through two editors versus the three that Behind the Hill went through. Okay. So with the two editors, was it easier? for you or like just to like hand those off and like not necessarily caring for like a whole bunch of reviews on though because you knew you had a good story here as far as the bones go or um so reviews um, reviews can be tricky i mean i try not to reviews because it can mess with your psyche a bit um but i what i ended up doing was I started building, building um, an advanced reader team that essentially read the book before it was released. And so that when it was released, um, they would be able to start writing reviews about like an honest review about whether or not they liked the book or didn't like the book. Right, that makes sense. So do you feel like getting those reviews early helped the algorithms for like Amazon to like pick up your book and get into the eyeballs of other people that you wouldn't? have gotten to otherwise? Um, for conspiracy, I think it helped um, in a way. I do think 
the reason why that took off um, was because of the George Floyd protest. And my book flew all over Instagram. Um, mm. So like bookstagrammers and uh, promo people, uh, promoters and stuff like that. And like, you know, like book blogs. Um, my, I can't even remember how many times I was tagged in a post saying, hey, read this book, this debut book by B.I.B. Woods. And then like, it just flew all over Instagram. I was having so many posts. And um, so that's what helped Conspiracy in the Capitol. Um, I think it reached uh, top 3,000 in the, a Kindle bookstore. But that was oh, wow. that was because of uh, the, the, right. The and people were trying to, um, there, was a, a, there was a huge interest in reading more from Office of Color. And I'm sure you've retained some of that readership for the second book too, so that helped. I did, yeah, and um, and and that's always why I try my darnest to have a pre-order available because, um, I at least in my this is just strictly my opinion, I always try to catch readers when they finish the book, especially if it's a series. Um, right. So then they're like, okay, I'll just click here and um, I want to, I know I want to read the next story and I don't want to forget. So I'm going to pre-order it right now. And then I have to worry about it until the book comes out and then they can then they have something else to read. That makes sense. You see, I've always done standalone books, but it's like, if they don't know me, then they might not have a vested interest. So now I'm finally doing a book series now. So I have four of the books ready to go for next year. Mm-hmm. a crime series um, called Malcolm Evers. So it's interesting to see that approach because I agree with you. It's like, you got to have something for them to want to bite their teeth in and then stay there and keep right. them keep them fed. Yeah. So I guess also even having a bad catalog could help in that situation too, where they at least have a link if they like you to keep going back for your other book. So right. I'm sure you're going to get a lot of people from behind the hill because of that though too. So it's, yeah. it makes sense. And I also include in the back of my books, um, like all my social media links, I include, hey, you can go to my website here. And then from there, they can subscribe to my newsletter. And then right. you keep up to date on everything that I'm doing. That's true. Do you use Linktree for like um, Instagram and, and like you have a bio pages? Okay. Same. Yeah, I use Linktree on Instagram. I think I actually, I only use it on Instagram. I think I do Instagram and Twitter because I don't think they allow so yeah, much. Twitter, yes, I do go Twitter. Too. You're right. Yeah. Thank you for like giving the re- everyone, including myself, so much um, into how to position yourself to get some more uh, readers. Because I think that's the hard part for new authors, including myself, is more of how do I connect the dots now that I have a catalog? Like I focus on a catalog, I feel comfortable to say I'm a writer. Now it's like, where the hell's all the people at now? <laughs> and that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, it's hard to break out, especially when the... Uh playing field is so vast and there's so many people in it um and like like i mean part of my i guess success is weird to say that but part of my success was honestly partial i mean as bad as to say i um got exposure and i was kind of lucky in that regard um just based on what was going on at the time um of course i don't um like what happened that caused it might have been lucky, but you were in position to be there for it. So that's the, right. the blessing. Honestly, was somewhat luck because who would have thought, like I, I randomly picked um, 
June 4th out of a, like a hat. Like I just was like, okay, this sounds like a great date for release. And then like, who would have thought, and I, I, and I planned that before COVID even happened. Like who, like you can't plan this stuff, right? Um, and so I had dates in mind. I was like, okay, this is what I'm gonna do. And then boom, the world exploded. <laughs> nah, I hear you. So one question I'd like to ask all my writers right now is, um, does writing energize you or exhaust you? I'm at the point, I've written so many books that I'm exhausted that I need to take like a year hiatus. How do you feel? I'm pretty energized. It gives me something, um, something that's not uh, like, like, yeah, sitting down on my computer and doing it every day, the same thing. I'm, I'm doing the same thing every day, right? So it's a part of a, a routine, a part of a pattern but the scenes I'm writing are different and the stories I'm telling are different. So that kind of like energizes me in a way. I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm writing new characters or I'm writing a new scene. And so like, I get excited about telling a new story. Oh, that's beautiful. You're still in that stage where <laughs> I love it. I'm at the point where I'm knocking like my head against the desk at times. Cause I'm like, when is it, when is people, cause sometimes I think when we write we're so ahead of what we wrote. It's like we're waiting for people to catch up to like read the first book and then we know we'll, we'll get them for the rest. And I feel like that's where I'm at right now in my life. Where it's like, I need people, I need to find eyeballs. I need to start finding ways to connect the dots more than me just writing. Cause I can write forever. It will mean nothing if I don't connect the dots and get people to like start reading my books more, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, um, yeah, and I, 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 I think I was just well, like well positioned. Um, I released a holiday novel. Uh, oh, geez, last Friday. <laughs> last Friday. Yeah. Keep in mind, this is coming out in February. So, oh, oh. <laughs> sorry, December fourth. How about that? Yeah. Yes. Uh, I released, uh, I released a holiday novel uh, during the holiday season, <laughs> and. Um, like even th that did well. And I think part of it is because I wrote a book or is doing well, I should say. I wrote a book that a lot of people wanted. Um, they wanted something that could be somewhat cheery and romantic and stuff like that. And, right. I, and I assume, well, I hope that's also why it's, it's doing pretty well too. I think you just, you got it though. I think you, you found your base and you're sticking to it, which is beautiful. Like. I feel like sometimes I might have went too versatile because I didn't want to get pigeonholed. And I was like, I wish somebody would have pigeonholed me. I would have had an audience at least. So I think there's a, it's a good thing and a bad thing, right? Eventually you might want to venture out and try like a crime series or something or like right. something else, right? But like, yeah. I really think you found a lane that I was like, wow, even a man is enjoying reading this book. It was really good. Like I really enjoyed it. No, you're totally right. And um, I think that's part of the reason why. So I, I would love, okay, side note, I would love to eventually write cozy mysteries like that. I grew up on cozy mysteries. I believe you told me that that was one of the, what you were thinking of writing first one time when we spoke. Yeah. And so I, that would be somewhere down the line. I don't know what year, when, how, but something I would absolutely love to do. Um, but and like I like, like you said, like crime and uh, the history yeah. stuff, and so that's why I think I included more of that in Behind the Hill, um, 
I lean towards more romantic suspense than the romantic thriller. Um, but yeah. it's still in the romance lane, like you said. And so I believe that my readers that like In the Capital or Conspiracy in the Capital or any of those books, but also like Behind the Hill because they're somewhat in the same lane. Yeah, I think it's romantic, but there's mind games within the, the conspiracy and stuff, right? So yeah. it's like, it's yeah. the little nuances that it's like, you gotta, you wanna read something intelligent, it's a good little novel, because it's not necessarily, it's rooted with love, but it's not all about love, it's about figuring out these pieces to the puzzle and of why these things are happening to, to this particular couple. Right, yeah. Without giving away too much. <laughs> Which is like, to me, that's like, that's basically scandal with Olivia Pope. And I was like, if people love that episodic episode, it's like, that's how your book was read to me. And I think it's an easy read because of that. And it, it's an enjoyable read because of that. Because you did. Thank you so much. Yeah. No, it's true. It's true. It's very true. So, I don't know. I just can't keep going on and on about those. But I'm very excited for Behind the Hill because of those other two books that you released. Thank you. And like, what was really cool is um, Behind the Hill is actually now in a library. I was going to just mention that. I just oh, saw you on Facebook post. No, 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 no. I'm glad. Is it well um, globally or like in the United States or just one particular library right now? It's in um, one county in the United States. But it's uh, so I um, published outside, I published my paperback outside of Amazon, which oh. then. <laughs> a bit um which then allows which makes it easier for you to get into bookstores and libraries yeah the isbn code right because yep. i don't know i'm at the place where i'm still okay with free and i just deal with not having everything available to me no i absolutely understand that but um i i so i uh not sponsored i use ingram spark and they give free ISBN numbers, and I believe you can use those to help get your books in. Okay, because I know they're affiliate, if I'm not mistaken, also with Ingram Spark. They use the same printer group. It's just that Ingram Spark, I think they also do hardcovers where Amazon does not. Right, they do hardcovers. Uh, and it's easier distributions to Barnes & Nobles without any other restrictions, if I'm not mistaken. Right, so that's what um, that's what I did. And I, I um, see random sales from that, and I assume it's from, like, online bookstores that um the sales are coming from i i, I don't know um income spark doesn't get that information out which is totally fine um but yeah i just see random paperback sales through them well that's pretty cool the thing the reason why i've always been worried about ingram sparks because i um one i guess is i just never found the time to do it through them because i always found it easier just through Amazon just to keep it flowing through those channels. Mm -hmm. But how many times do you get the proof of copy? Because isn't there like, if you want a quick edit or something, you got to pay instead of for every re-upload? Yes, but um, if you join um, certain organizations, they have free codes. Mm, thank you for giving that information. <laughs> so like usually like uh, an association, um, I don't think they have it, but um, I'm a member of RWA, which is the Romance Writers I think it's of America. And I'm getting the A wrong. I might be getting the A wrong. So, um, is that like a sorority for like? No. <laughs> I'm joking. Um, no, it's an official association that like, um, like, uh, I decided to be a member of, like, you know, just in case uh, something goes wrong or like it's a big class action issue. RWA can represent you in that issue or something like that. Um, oh. 
so yeah, but there are plenty of uh, other organizations um, like that and um, they might have one of the uh, gifts you get as a, as being a, for being a member. It could be like, oh, you don't have to, we, uh, we have a free code, Ingram Spark won't charge you to fix your files or re-upload or whatever you need to do. Got you. So it's more about doing research to see where you can get some benefits from where Ingram um, Sparks. Right. And then also, I know one of the gifts from completing NaNoWriMo was like free uploads to Ingram Spark, like, I don't know if it's through the end of the year or through the first part of 2021. That's what my dumbass did last year. I wrote 50,000 words and never uploaded to let them know I did it or you anything. You don't have to anymore. They can, you just tell them you did it. They don't, you don't have to upload it anymore. When did this start? Because I was like, you know, I'm just going to write it. I don't last care year. if I get recognition or not. No, last year. <laughs> so they, they revamped their website and took away that whole counter that tabulated whether or not you were 50,000 words or not. And so you just tell them you didn't and then. Okay. Yes. Well, I guess next year I'll do it. Cause I know some people probably fibbed if, if, if there's an honor system now instead. I mean, what can you do, right? Right, no, absolutely. Who am I, who am I to judge? I'm just, I'm just an author. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your inspiration um, for the book series? What was my inspiration for the book series? Um, so for In the Capital, I took a lot of inspiration actually from conversations I had with friends, um, whether it was in college, after we graduated, etc. And a lot of the conversations that Ray has with her friends are based on conversations that I had or like inspired by them. Um, and in inspiration, I mean, of course, like Scandals in the Back of Your Mind, because that's the most popular series, I think. That has I'm sorry if that upset, I'm sorry if that comparison upsets you. I never, <laughs> I, I no, feel like I, I did it a few times. <laughs> no, I'm just a fan of the series. I know it's, it's fine. Um, But I also tried to not, uh, like, you know, like copy them or anything. Um, and that was my goal. But like, I also worked in DC. I uh, worked on the Hill worked for the federal government, worked um, for uh, trade associations, et cetera, like that. So that helped feed into like random stories and plots that I had going on in my head. And that's what led to that. Um, a funny story is someone uh, asked me if uh, my stories are kind of like House of Cards. And I said, no, because I've never watched House of Cards because when House of Cards was on the air, I was on the hill and I didn't want to keep thinking that all this dirty stuff might be going on on the hill. That was going on in House of Cards. I have never seen House of Cards. Fun fact. No, um, when I say comparison, it's just to give the audience an idea of what to expect. I guess a little bit if they're okay, interested totally in those fine. type of things. Okay. okay. I appreciate okay, so. that. So, what do you like to do when you're not writing? I know you're watching over a two-year-old a lot of the your day. So, like, what do you do when? You have some free time for yourself. Um, come up with more stories. <laughs> um, when I have free time for myself, it probably involves picking up a book and um, reading for my own pleasure, not my own stuff. Um, I like to support um, indie authors as well as some trad uh, published authors. But um, like, like we talked about earlier, it's very hard 
for uh, indies to break into the scene. So I try to do my best to read their work and support them. Um, because like I said, it's hard. It is hard. Um, but I think when you build a community of other indie authors that are, are working hard, then it's easy to root for and support. It's right. so, no, I totally get that. Totally agree. And they say, you know, reading is, is the best practice to writing. So like, it's good that you, I'm trying to read next year, about 40 to 50 books, I think, in a year, because I did like 18 to 20, which is cool. But if I'm not going to write any books, I should at least be able to double that now. So, <laughs> so yeah. Just, yeah. I think I read 38 books. I think I checked Goodreads yesterday. I try to keep track on there because they have like a whole channel. Oh, I didn't. You see, I got to do that. Maybe that'll keep me more inspired. I know I'm around 20, but like I might have read a few more or a few less, but I'm definitely around 20. But that's because I wrote about four or five books this year alone. And oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah, well, they're all different word left, so I don't want, I don't want people to get too, too into it. Still, writing a book is hard. No, it is. It is. So that's why I'm trying to release seven books. So it's like my mind is not thinking of... What else I have written down? No more uh, index cards and outlines and trying to organize. I'm giving myself a break of that and just 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 become a fan again. Not be jaded by it all. Just you know. So when did something start out badly for you, but it ended up great as far as writing or anything else in, in your life? Oh, what might have appeared like this is the worst day ever <laughs> and somehow it just got bright. So honestly, as, as bad as it sounds, every release day, because you're nervous. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I say this like, like I, I love publishing and I love writing, but I get so nervous sometimes that my my stomach hurts. Like legit, I can get sick from it. But usually it ends up working out really really well um and i'm very fortunate in that regard but yeah that's like like at least recently i mean outside of pandemic and everything else going on in the world um i get super nervous to the point like i think everyone's gonna hate my book on release day to me it's like, i don't care what the review say those of you bought it now if i gave you a free book and you give me a whack review then i feel some type of way <laughs> But if you bought it, you're entitled to an honest opinion. I don't, but then I'm just like, I just, I, it makes, I, that would make, if I let reviews get to me or read, like, a lot of bad reviews, that would then make me jaded. But I think sometimes these people give out reviews, but they've never tried to even, it's not even because they didn't like the book. It's just like, maybe the book topic wasn't for them when they bought it, and therefore no. now, now they're frustrated. <laughs> they spent money and didn't think it was that even though you made it clear that this is that type of book you know and i completely agree i think um and not every book is for everyone um which i mean i try to make my books universally universally loved and so that's also like a hard pill to swallow even though you're like yeah i know not everyone someone's gonna probably one star this and that's okay, even though it gets you down when you like. Breathe. Have you been? Have you been one star before? I've been three, and then like, yeah. and then I asked them like, "Hey, what did you not like?" So I can improve. They said something so stupid. I was like, "You know, you have a good day." 
And it's like, they were like, I was reading from the back to the front. I'm like, that's not how a book is read. <laughs> oh no, I've been one starred. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, and it, did they have a valid reasoning or it was just their own feelings for the day? You think they had a bad day and they read your book? And... No, sometimes <laughs> it's a valid reason. And I, like, I, I do like constructive criticism, you know, but sometimes you don't even get a review. It's just one star. Which I oh, think those are the worst. Right, because then I'm like, I don't know what happened. Like, I mean, did you hate it? Was it a slip of the finger? Because when usually, at least from what I've learned or heard, you can rate a you can rate a book if you're reading it on your Kindle without leaving a review, and it goes to Amazon. So sometimes it could be a slip of a finger. People just like, eh, well, whoops. Right. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, like. I do prefer reviews that definitely have like something written, written in them because I'm like, okay, well, I can think about this and um, about this for the next book and the next thing I'm trying to uh, work on. Um, but yeah, I've been one star. Oh, yeah. What is one of your favorite books um, of fiction? And then one of your favorite, or what's the latest book you've read of fiction? What's the latest book you've read of nonfiction? just read for non-fiction I can pull up my Kindle really quick because I don't want to butcher the title I just read uh, Whole Book Marketing um, by Victorine uh, I'm going to butcher her last name Lysky. Um Sounds good enough to yeah. me <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I usually I I read a lot of craft books because I'm trying to learn, always trying to learn more about writing, marketing, what have you. Um, I'm in the middle of reading um, Writing and Marketing Systems by Elena Johnson. Um, and I, so the last book I read, I can't remember the last book I read, but the book I'm reading now is called um, Blood by Ivy Nelson. And that's a, a, a steamy romance that I'm reading right now. Is that yeah, a... Is that an indie author or? Yes, she is an indie author and uh, she's one of my friends. We sprint, we do writing sprints together. Oh, how cool. Yeah, she's awesome. So I think I asked you a, a lot of questions. Do you have any questions for me? So what's your release plan and like schedule for next year? Well, next year, I plan on releasing seven books. I'm trying, like, a book Netflix approach almost. Like, one book is a series, so I'm releasing four out of the five, of which will be the, the finale, and then I have a three-book spinoff with, like, another character that you'll be introduced to in the fifth book. Awesome. And then the other three books are standalone. One is, is like, a romantic comedy. Like, I wrote a screenplay, but then you got to hire a lot of people to make a film come true. So me knowing that from short films, I was like, I can't afford to hire people for like 30 days out. So therefore, I converted it back into a book and it's called 11 Central Park. So that's like a romantic comedy. Then I have um, like a coming of age, somewhat love story, but it's really coming of age called um, We Were Kids Amongst the Stars. Uh, uh, Oh my God, I'm forgetting all my, all my damn titles. You yeah. wrote too many books. <laughs> right, and that's why I need to take a, a moment. But um, yeah, it's all on pre-order for Amazon. Um, 
And then the other book is a is a part two to a book I released this year called Kids of the Diaspora, The Black Kid Manifesto. So that's coming out in February. And then 11th Central Park will be out in April. And then um, June will be, um, We Found Ourselves Through the Cosmos, is I believe the title of the coming of age story. Um, that's coming out in, I want to say June or July. And then November is the crime series called Malcolm Evers, which is rooted off like a, um, I don't know if you ever heard of Mega Evers the, um, from Mississippi. Mm -hmm. So basically it's like a spinoff of like, it never, if he never got assassinated and if he became a lawyer, his family trade would probably be lawyers. And therefore I take it like two generations after that where like, He's basically trying to find out who killed his fiance and as well as like save um, a kid from going to jail for like a crime they committed in self-defense. So yeah, that's pretty much um, my seven books is We Were Kids Who Found Their Way Through the Cosmos, Malcolm Evers and Times of War, The Law Fall Silent, and then the rest of the Malcolm Evers series pretty much follows suit. Busy so. Yeah, and then from there, it's just about me trying to find ways to connect the dots, something that I think you've done a great job so far. So it's now just about you putting out your catalog, right? And then letting it find the people. Yeah, it's been pretty, pretty fun and challenging, which then kind of makes it fun too, because you're always trying to find new ways to connect with readers, so. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So that's kind of it really and like this podcast is just you know a foundation for that is just putting myself out there a little more because i would rather just write and put out the book and see what it does but that's we don't live in those times no more it's like you got to do something else so you know it, it was easier i've heard a few years ago uh, to just pub write and publish books but now there's like so many people in the field I mean, it's a lot of people in the field, but then also there's a lot of people that's not taking it serious, but then it's like, it's like, it makes it crowded for those that really want to do it for like a living. And then those that want to dip their feet in it and then realize that, okay, I don't really like it, but I'm, I already put out a book. So it's like, it just depends on like what your goals are and how do you execute them. Check. Yo, Brittany. Hold on. Hold on. Let me start. With. So, thank you, B. Ivy, for um, your great advice to the readers and listeners, um, writers, readers, listeners, everything. So, usually I do a quote of the week and then a lyric of the week. So, quote of the week is strive for progress, not perfection. I think as a writer, it's all about just progressing. Like there's never going to be a perfect page. So therefore just write for progress and not perfection. It's I think a, a beautiful quote to end this with. And the lyrics of the week, when I think of you, I think of um, Katie Perry Roar and just, you know, you being such a independent and strong individual. So the lyrics of the week from Katie Perry Roar, I see a determination and focus and, and through these lyrics really spoke to me when I was thinking of you. So here it goes. I used to bite my tongue and hold my breath, scared to rock the boat and make a mess. So I sat quietly, 
agree politely. I guess that I forgot I had a choice. I let you push me past the breaking point. I stood for nothing, so I fell for everything. You held me down, but I got up, already brushing off dust, off the dust. You hear my voice, you hear that sound, like thunder gonna shake the ground. You held me down, but I got up. Get ready, cause I've had enough. I see it all, See it. I see it now. I got the eye of the tiger, a fighter, dancing through the fire, cause I am a champion, and you're gonna hear me roar, louder, louder than a lion. Cause I am a champion and you're gonna hear me roar. I wanna thank everyone for listening and, and just being a part of this journey of me learning how to be a host as a author for Americana Quill. Um, B.I.V., thank you again so much for um, your contributions of just coming here and talking to me. I really appreciate it. Awesome, thank you so much for having me. Okay, uh, this is Americana Quill, writer, writer, please like